Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very, very grateful for your word, and we're grateful for um, a roof over our heads, warm place to be. These small, ignored pleasures of a place to gather and, and uh, Bibles to read. We'd ask that you would uh, bless us through it and we would not forget to give thanks. In your son's name, amen. Well, last week we were in... Um, early part of Matthew on the what was it called? Christmas? It was Christmas Day. Another, uh, we had a good group there. It was about 30 people. Uh, and a part of it was uh, quoting Micah 5, where it says about Bethlehem when the wise men came to Herod, and Herod said, where is the Messiah going to be born? And said, so the priests say, and they quote Micah 5, And you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are little to, to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. So it was on my mind a little bit, you know, thinking of the minor prophets, and, and I was through no connection. I'd, I like to give you the, the trajectory of things. Through no connection, reading in Nahum which is the next book down. And as I was reading in Nahum, I turned the page thinking I was still in Nahum and ended up reading Micah 7, which is right before Nahum. I just didn't realize I had wandered out of the book. And I said, this sounds familiar. Not because it was Micah, but because it was quoted in the New Testament without reference. And so I looked up where it was quoted. It was Matthew 10. And so that's what we're looking at today. And as I looked at it, I said, it's New Year's Day. You've got you to gotta say something. You gotta, what, are we, what are we, we're not the unbelievers that we constantly make resolutions to break. So what are we doing? What are we, what are we actually doing? Not what do we hope to do. What are we going to do? This is a great passage for that. This is where Christ sends out the 12 disciples to minister to the towns of Israel. Matthew 10, 1. And he called to him, his 12 disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every infirmity. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, charging them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and preach as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, Raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without pay and give without pay. Take no gold, no silver, nor silver, nor copper in your belts. No bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for the laborer deserves his food. 
And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay with him until you depart. As you enter the house, salute it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it shall be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Well, as I was thinking about New Year's Day, what are we here doing? We're not here building the United States of America. We're not building the kingdom of Evan Wilson's radical Anabaptistness. We're not building your personal family dynasty. What are you building? We're always, since the Lord came, we have been preaching the kingdom of heaven at hand. This is important in Matthew. I have a couple of verses here on the left-hand side from earlier in Matthew. Matthew 3, it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, from that time, this is after John is arrested, from that, from that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he sends out his disciples in Matthew 10 and says, Preach, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You've read Jesus enough. The kingdom of heaven is like parable A. Kingdom of heaven is like parable B. We are the kingdom of heaven. Someone was asking me the other day, I think it was Kim Knudsen, Kim and Jeremy were in town, about these sorts of things, and I was trying to communicate to her that out of antiquity, it was a common mythic thread for the gods to fight out who was in charge. And that's not unbiblical. You saw Satan, a war arose in heaven, and Satan and his angels fought with Michael and his angels. Jesus Christ came to establish a kingdom, and his kingdom is one of heaven. That's not, that's not just to make it a religious kingdom. We don't just say the word heaven. It's the kingdom of the sky. And it's at hand. Now the problem is in Matthew 10, and this is what he's going to, he's sending out the disciples, and to one degree or another, the rest of us following in their footsteps, in a world that has an entirely different measure of what kingdom is they're serving. We have to decide, as Christians, are we, oh, I'm an American, I'm an Idahoan, I pay my taxes, served in the military, what else can you do? Raise your kids to be good citizens and obey the laws, but we're told in the New Testament that we're aliens, we're sojourners, we're, we're not from around here. Because we're declaring the kingdom of heaven. Where something that is about, when you say a kingdom, you're saying a sovereignty. You're saying something that says, <coughs> there is a rule, there is a law, 
There is a guidance, there is a restraint, there is a border to every kingdom. When you say, I am a part of the kingdom of heaven, and I'm declaring the kingdom of heaven out there on the campus or at work or wherever it is, that it's at hand, it's here. I have to know what I'm saying. I have to know who it is that's king. It's not just that it's of heaven. Who's the God that this kingdom obeys? And as we preach this message that Christ preached, John the Baptist preached, the disciples preached, there is this kingdom we serve, we have the kingdom we declare, and it's it's looking for with the, the phrase in verse 11 find out who is worthy when you go to a town find out who's worthy I mean even looking at the and I, and I sincerely think that it has to do with the edifice the house is the house this worthy lives in you walk up to it and salute it Another gospel says, you say, peace be to it. And if your peace returns to you, then, well, you know, you know what to do. Certain kind of homes are the, you might say, the proto-citizens of the kingdom. Worthy people whose, the peace declared by the disciples rests on that house. We're, not, we're, we're looking for those who have sought God and seek this message, seek this announcement of the coming of our King. I was watching Christians get all up in arms over the last couple of days because somebody who they didn't approve of had been asked to pray at the inauguration. So Christians, of course, wetting their pants because we get so much into the world's kingdoms approving of us and raising us up rather than us going into the world and saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is ruled by Christ. It is not ruled by famous pastors. It's not ruled by the president or the kings of nations. We're looking for those who share this kingdom with us. So it matters what we are doing, what, what we think of this kingdom as. And is your life that you're shaped, what you have picked up, if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, those are the laws of the kingdom. Those are the those are the expression of what someone who belongs to the kingdom of God reacts like, acts like. What, is this what my home strives for, dedicates itself to, confesses when it fails, and rejoices when it's got it right? Is your home worthy? Is the peace of God but expressed by another member of the kingdom of heaven? Who calls down a blessing on your home, does the blessing stick? Or does it just confuse you? 
We're talking uh, with some family members recently about uh, homes and of Christian homes. They're just, you know, how do they go on living? Because there's an expectation, not that there is the peace of God and could be declared to it and it would stick, but it seems that chaos or, or anti, you know, antagonisms and annoyances are the word of the day. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. Your peace will return to you. We're walking, we're walking around as emissaries of a kingdom where you are infected with the peace of God but it's a substance that, uh, a, a, a thing that the apostles at least had as a thing they could put on something and it would return to them if not. It wasn't just words. It wasn't just someone sneezes and you say, God bless you. When you salute something, you're doing something. And it matters. God in his kingdom is coming into the people elect of God who have known of God since the time of Moses, time of Abraham, ready for this moment. Christ and his disciples are here ready to declare this new kingdom. Not the kingdom of the Jews, not the kingdom of Rome, kingdom of heaven sometimes called the kingdom of God and accepting it or rejecting it is the ultimate thing in those agents history if the person or the house or the town doesn't take it it'll be more tolerable on the day of judgment for Sodom now we know what we think of when we say things like sodomy. We know that, oh, they're, the, they're those. Those kind of sinners are sinners. Because it's icky and it's sex. And it was icky and sex in the Bible times. And when Jesus said, I want you to think that the lack of recipients of the kingdom of heaven in your town is going to make the thing they named homosexual acts after is going to go easier for them than for you. God, that means one, one means just not just a comparison, but it means that this kingdom of God is coming in as a challenge. When you saluted someone, when you shook hands with someone on the street, that meant you took your sword arm and you stuck it out and they stuck out their sword arm and shook hands with you. A salute. You know what a salute is. It's a, a, a greeting that says we are not at war or we are at war. Someone was telling me, I don't know if this is true, that we drive on the other side of the street, the English, because the English always wanted to keep their their fighting hand at the outside of the thoroughfare. So they would drive, ride everything to the, what's that, the right, left, whatever they were. Whatever the case, it was the fighting hand. And the French, of course, wanted to confuse them because they're French. I don't know why we drive on the other side. 
six guns, we wore them on both sides. We know what it is to walk into a situation and say, I represent a king not from around here. I bring his peace or not. I salute you or you are not saluted. I find you worthy or you're not worthy. I'm warning you folks, like with John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That gives a hint that Jesus said the same thing. Repent. Which suggests that the not only did I have to choose which kingdom, but my choice was resting in my, my moral condition. Where, 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 what was I at with the, with the judge of the living and the dead? Now, it seems there's a, a quality about Jesus Christ. Sometimes you just you, you're just embarrassed for him, you know. He is so uppity. He'll say things, going, "Oh Jesus, you're going to get yourself killed," and he got himself killed. He said things that just you know someone's you know conversations with people and they're reeling back from him, sticking his thumb in their eye because he was declaring. He wasn't making a religion that was going to fit into your culture nicely and give you Christmas trees and garlands and, and Easter bunnies. It's going, to, it's going to ask you to serve a different kingdom than what is served in this world. Now, Christ got treated very badly. Verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Because I am sending you out with this really uppity message of repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. When men are serving countless other kingdoms in their lives. And you're going to say, no, 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 no. I'm flying a flag that's Jesus Christ. Repentance is necessary. Wanting his peace, his control is necessary. So how I stand there, wise as serpents and as doves, a lot of good material that I'm not going to preach on because we have only so much time this morning. So I'm skimming over some things that are are great of great value so go back and read it at your leisure but it's telling you you're going in to a situation and saying something unthinkable that the people in the situation are not going to like and they will want to hurt you beware of men for they will deliver you up to councils and flog you in their synagogues and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear testimony before them and the Gentiles. Do you, know, do you see what's going on? The kingdom of heaven is showing up and saying, I know you have another kingdom. That's what a council is there for. That's what your synagogues represent. 
What did the synagogues represent? They represented the old covenant. Here is Jesus with the new covenant. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And of course, the political were the governors, the kings. We don't mind as long as you burn incense to Caesar. Do what you want. But as soon as you go, I'm not doing that. I serve Jesus Christ. Oh, we're going to have to kill you. It's a war. It's a war in which you might say our, uh, our victory is not by us saying, let's fight as if the ground of kingdom control they claimed is the objective we want. If they get to pray at the inauguration of the president, good, good for them. We're not fighting over that hill. Like in all art of war mentalities, you have to set your objective. It has to be decisive. It's not Decisive is not the center of the world. It's power. It's glory. Too many Christians think that's what we've got to go after. Dethrone the world's claim to it, whether it's political or religious, and set up Christian claims, political and religious. This is a different kind of kingdom. When they deliver you up, do not be anxious about how you are to speak or what you are to say for you what you are to say will be given to you in that hour for it is not you who speak but the spirit of your father speaking through you now I want you to I, I don't think I don't want to tell that promises to you that you can just walk into a situation that you're not prepared for and you'll be given wonderful things to say maybe it might happen I think he's talking to his disciples but the idea is, is that you are now a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Most of us have never been in apologetic debates defending American Republican <coughs> democracy to a communist, say. Well, we probably do a fine job with our basic knowledge of civics and our basic knowledge of America's history and what we're about and capitalism and all the rest. We do a fine job. We're members of the kingdom of heaven, citizens of that kingdom. Realize that when you get into those straits where they're calling upon you to give an account, you want to have the familiarity. Don't worry about it, but have a familiar, know where you reside, know where you're from. Now, I said a number of months ago, I was preaching on the nature of home being not where the heart is, but where answers are. You feel the most at home where more of your questions are answered. Everything from where the toothpaste is to, you know, how to avoid stripping over that hassock when you're walking in the dark. The kingdom of heaven is your nation. It's your home. You'll be, your understanding of it will have you be ready, but be realized that you're there just declaring, not fighting them for their territory. They think you're fighting them for their territory because they want their power, their councils, their synagogues, their governorships, their kingdoms. They know that this Jesus is going to require something of them higher than they. And they're 
going to try you and they're going to push you and they're going to demand an explanation. Then he says, verse 21, brother will deliver up brother to death and father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now, first off, I, those of us who have been around Christian circles for any length of time realize the end times possibilities there. What they, but they will not preach through all the towns of Israel before Jesus comes back when we see Son of Man comes. We, uh, it might be that. It might be that. It may be they didn't get through all the towns, or it maybe they did and he came. But there's also the next chapter, the next verse at the end of this chapter, and when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. So they had gone out, and then he followed along after them. Even though they were going to get run from town to town, they were not going to be ex, uh, accepted. They were not to worry because I, he was coming along after them. Now it's either a literal, I'm coming along after you shortly, or it has to do with the Lord's return, but I'll leave that to your, to your studies. But he's letting you know that you're just going to get killed. In their world, in their kingdoms, the ground that they cover and fight over, is long life and money in this life and the pleasures of this life. And you will be hated and you will be killed. And he tells you in verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? That's what they had called Christ. They called him Satan. And they said, you, you don't expect anything better. I am the king of this kingdom, and they will uh, lash out at me. They will lash out at you. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, utter in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. The message of our kingdom is completely, is completely unnecessary that we win what they think they're fighting for. They think we're after their jobs. We should not be in that position where we are after their jobs. We're declaring the righteousness of God. What Christ has whispered to them in secret, they're going to declare clearly, told in the dark, uttered in the light. We're just going to tell them. It's a kingdom that does not rest on resting kingdom territory from what, what they fight for. Their capital city, their acropolis, their forts, their armies. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's will. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So every, if you're ever wondering if you're special, by the way, many sparrows. I think max, you know, three, four sparrows, certainly, each one of you. Many. Now, he's telling them, because this is message is coming across to them in the same way. He's sending them out and saying, you know, they're going to beat you up. And then you have to run to the next town. Don't worry about that. I'll be right behind you. I'm coming behind you. The Son of Man is going to come. And they'll kill you. But God... So we were talking about this with my dad the other day. Uh, with the nature of trusting God. The worst can happen. But your God is good. The worst can happen, but your God is good. We don't decide that God is good if the, only if the best happens. The worst can either grab you, torture you, kill you. Your God is good. He cares for you more than for sparrows, and he's numbered the hairs of your head. The acknowledgement of him and his goodness is very important to our king. But he says that in verse 32. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. You realize that this salute coming at you, this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's coming into our lives pretty regularly as believers, as people who have claimed Jesus Christ. Came to us when we first heard the gospel, and we had to decide whether we're going to acknowledge this. You deny him, he takes this very seriously. Do you fly the flag of the Christian? Not that when I grew up seeing in a Baptist church a white field and a purple corner with a cross in it. That was the Christian flag. I don't think there was ever a conference where we decided, where Jesus said, you know, the Christian flag has got this, scribbled something out on a napkin that uh, the rest of us dealt with over the centuries. But no, there's not that kind of flag. But your acknowledgement, your denials. When you claim you are something, can you affirm what that is? What, can you say what that is? What do I, when I say I'm a Christian? Are people supposed to just lump me in with everything from Chesterton to St. Thomas Aquinas? And so I, one of those, kind of like that. What are you affirming? Which kingdom are you in? Are you in the kingdom of heaven? And will you not deny him? Because he takes it very seriously. And so do the powers of this world. We kind of want, like to keep it vague and acceptable. Vague and not really, you know, critical that we stood for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we don't want to die. And persecution arose. They fell away. It says in the Proverbs of the sower. 
In some cases it was persecution. In some cases it was the cares of this world and the delight in riches. Oh, it's a lot of things. I was talking to someone the other day about a relative who had gotten a great job with a, a Catholic uh, medical group where their expectation was, you've got to be a Catholic. And went from being an evangelical to a Catholic without even a hiccup. There's a job at stake. It's amazing. Guys will convert for a girl. Oh yeah, they really thought that out. She's really cute. I think I believe in Jesus now. What is the nature of our acknowledgement? What's the nature of our holding to these things? What's the nature of the kingdom to which I belong? I always like that passage in Luke 17 where he's asked, where's the, where's the kingdom? The Pharisee asks him and he says, uh, the kingdom of God is within you. Don't look for it outside. Don't, don't look for it someplace. It's within you. Now, the reason, this is right about here in the passage that my reading accidentally in Micah sprang up. Do not, verse 34, think that I have come to bring peace on earth. This is, this is that. Merry Christmas. That was last week. Now it's the new year, and the angels are saying, you know, peace on earth, um, goodwill towards men with whom he is pleased. And uh, here's Jesus a week later going, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Not because he wanted us to pick up the sword and use the sword and conquer the world like conquer the Germanic tribes in Europe and make them good Christian tribes. The sword he brought was the sword picked up against us. Because then he says, For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes will be those of his own household. That's a quote from Micah 7. I have it on the left-hand side. Put no trust in a neighbor. Have no confidence in a friend. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your bosom. For the son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. This is the echo of what he said earlier in the passage in Matthew. He told us that you'll be delivered up to death by your brother, a son his father. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake. This is what the challenge of the kingdom of heaven is. Do we stand with Jesus Christ and his kingdom against all petty kingdoms that rise up in this world to the point where we will not fear them, we would fear our God rather. And we would not fear them even unto death. We'll acknowledge him even unto death. Lest we be denied by him. The, the king that we really adore. 
In Micah it says in the next verse, But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. That's what we're told to trust. Do you believe only in a kingdom that's got nice organization, great music and sound system, interesting light show, comfortable heated room, Have you ever thought of it all being taken away? Not just Safeway closing, not just the mail not getting through, not just an EMP burst where you don't have your phone anymore, but they really, where they don't like, like in other countries now, where they hurt Christians, where they kill Christians. Seen any of those videos with ISIS lining up those Christians on the beach, cutting their throats? It's happened for a long time. They are set against us. They are set against us because we bring a kingdom. Oh, we have to go along to get along in these mundane, you know, while I'm in France, I'll obey France's driving laws. While I'm in America, I will pay my taxes and obey their laws. I will be loyal as a good citizen. I will do what I'm told. But I'm a citizen of another kingdom. And when it finally comes home to them that I am not ultimately theirs, it really ticks them off. That's why we're at war with them. And we're and kind of and this is why so many Christian groups want to turn it into an actual physical battle where we fight over the things that those people want. So we get powerful control to the political arena. Because Jesus seems to suggest, okay, here's your here's your new kingdom of heaven flag. I want you to walk in there, wave at it. Oh, by the way, they will grab it, burn it, and kill you. But here's the flag, go in there and wave it. That's what you're being asked to do because this kingdom isn't mundane. It's of heaven. Mundane means earthy, earthly. Things of down here versus things up there. He warns us in verse 37, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Just like you walked into this world and said, okay, Caesar, you can imagine doing this. I'll stand against Caesar. They've asked me to worship Caesar. None of that nonsense. Okay, I'm willing to martyr, be martyred for that. Yeah. Jesus Christ over Caesar. Or the Roman governors. Okay, okay. Or the old covenant versus the new covenant. Okay, the councils, the synagogues, they beat us up too. But this is the nuclear family we're talking about here. For some of us, that's a bridge too far. You love your little Jimmy a little more than you should. The Lord is clear. I won't, I'm not going to change his words. I mean, if you want to put a flag there and then say, this is the kingdom of heaven. God wants you more than you're allowed to want your kids or your parents. We just went through Christmas. They gave us things, and our family was nice to us. And what a great time we had! And what was that line by General Mad Dog Mattis? Um, 
be polite to everyone, but have a plan to kill them all. Yeah, that was sort of, I don't know if that was exactly the quote. If you love son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of me. And he does not take his cross, and he says, okay, all right, I could become somewhat of a sociopath for Jesus. Just me. Okay, just me. Then he says, oh, and you, on your way out, take up your cross. He who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That means your path of death. Even you, your own guidance of you, all of the kingdoms have to be second to the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of you, the kingdom of your nearest and dearest, the kingdoms of your religious background, the kingdoms of your nation that you hold so patriotically, all of them are second to Jesus. And sometimes those being second will resent when they discover, hold it, you mean Caesar's not first? Or you mean the church is not first? Oh, you mean the family's not first? You face, some of you have faced some hard choices where you had to say no to something in the family because of Jesus Christ. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That's an ephemeral promise. Not real clear, but you know that the kingdom of heaven, led by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for you, that you believed in in the gospel, and it wasn't just this simple, okay, this is how you get in the church, you believe that, and you, you say this, and you entertain these thoughts, and you sing the hymns, and you pray the prayers. No, this is something like a real claim of dominance in your world with a real God who has declared and made himself dominant in the realm of the gods. I have here on the left-hand side to end with sound of favorite passage of Colossians. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Okay, got that? Dominion of darkness. I went from a kingdom that was some awful combination of all those other kingdoms, family, religion, nation, whatever else, culture, things that wanted to be in charge of me, and all they were were darkness. I was transferred to the kingdom of Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's, that's the wonderful thing about it. We've stepped in here to join this kingdom, and the transfer was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Micah was telling you, I will look for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. I will be forgiven in him. My moral condition. And then it says, he is the image of the invisible God. This is what I want you to hear is the centerpiece of our kingdom. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones. Now listen to this. I've said this recently a lot. This is not bunnies and dinosaurs and Grand Canyon. This is all authorities. The things that Jesus Christ created 
visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, or principalities, or authorities. No bunnies. Just powers. Jesus Christ created all of the powers. And all things were created through him and for him. So when I come in with the, with the flag of Jesus Christ, the banner of our Lord, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, everything has to be in submission to it. Everything that exists of power. Who says that in Romans 13? All authority is given by God. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That's what God expects of you in your vision, that Christ be preeminent. I will acknowledge him, I will declare him in the light, from the housetops, to everyone, in spite of the fact they're not going to take it well. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This thing that is the cross of Jesus Christ was this great transition where God himself took direct kingdom control of a group of citizens, his universe and a group of citizens that were metaphysically changed by the power of the cross. They weren't just repentant. They weren't just forgiven. They were changed. The Holy Spirit was poured out on them. So I want you to remember this year that the kingdom of heaven has been at hand. And we've been living at the kingdom of heaven. And we have a task to be like we're in the kingdom of heaven. What does that entail? What does that mean? What is that? Who have you become? Who writes the laws of this kingdom? Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for all the good things you've given us that are part of this temporal or mundane grant that you have made. People have fought for those controls and wanted to guide our lives through them. We ask that we would stand in your kingdom and represent your son and not be led into sin by the other powers. We'd ask that we would not cling to our lives or our families in such a way that you would become second if family or self was threatened or family or self was promised a reward. Lord, that we would know that our acknowledgement of you and your son was to the very end, that you would acknowledge us and you would not deny us. We thank you for our part in your kingdom, Lord, at this short little bit of history that we occupy, we'd ask that you keep us at peace, that the gospel could go out, but that we would be ready to declare your kingdom. In your son's name we pray. Amen.